This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey there, this is episode eight of season two of The Real Mom Podcast. And today I'm talking to my friend Jamie Sandifer, who is a biological adoptive foster mom, author of my favorite book for foster children, and just a good friend of mine who we are very like-minded and share our hearts together today on foster care and what it looks like to have the A word, as Jamie calls it, mentioned, packing up and saying goodbye to our kids and what it looks like as we talk about adoption with our adopted children. We have just a sweet time together and I hope that today is an encouragement to you and maybe bring some guidance to your walk and your journey as a foster or adoptive mom. Thank you for listening. This is season two, episode eight of the Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to my friend, Jamie Sandifer. Jamie is the biological adoptive foster mom and the author behind one of my favorite children's books for kids in foster care. And she's a friend of mine. We had the privilege of getting to meet each other after being connected through the interwebs for a long time. So I'm so happy to have Jamie here today because she just has a really gospel-centered, God-centered, loving these children perspective, and she's really a gift. So, hi, Jamie. How are you? Hi, Jamie. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. How many Jamies do you know? Because I know a ton. Really? Oh, my gosh. I I don't know many, and I really don't know many that have the same spelling we do, so that connects us as well. So, I, growing up, I knew one Jamie, and it was he was a guy. And so uh-huh. I, my whole childhood, I thought that my parents gave me a boy's name. <laughs> and then I, when I became an adult, I have like multiple close friends or people in my life named Jamie, including wow. my sister-in-law. So my name was Jamie Voles. My brother married a Jamie. <laughs> Her name is Jamie Voles. How and, fun. Not confusing at all. Yeah, exactly. And we're a super <laughs> close family. So when we were, we're like actually close physically, yeah. but then we see each other all the time. Our parents literally have to call us Jamie Voles and Jamie Finn. We have to get <laughs> by our last names in our family. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I, you're another Jamie in my life. I'm happy to have you here. So Jamie, tell us about your family. Okay. We live in Texas. Um, almost always have. We moved around quite a bit when we were early married, but uh, Texas is home. We have been married for 17 years. We met in high school and got married uh, right after I graduated high school, soon after. Wait, and, okay, hold on. We have another <laughs> parallel there. I yeah. in middle school. Uh, I got engaged when I was 19 and married when I was 20. So how old were you uh, when you were married? 21. Okay. Yes, the first time I saw him, I was in eighth grade. And I was visiting, I was going to a car concert with my friend. So I was there to see my friend. Well, something happened on stage. This boy just turned blood red and he was the cutest thing. And I leaned over to my friend's mom and I said, who is that cute boy? Oh my gosh. It was my husband. (laughs) 
I love it. Yeah, we met that young too. That's so funny. Okay, continue. Sorry, I just okay. saw another That's okay. parallel. I had to go for it. Yes, I love it. So we have four kids. Our oldest daughter is 15. We have three boys, 13, 5, and 18 months old. Okay, and what's your breakdown? I know you don't have any foster children in the home right now. Right. But who of that gang, how did they come to you? Um, our first two oldest children are biological. We had them when we were early married. I was 22 and 24 when we had them. And then um, we had a, a miscarriage in between the olders and then another miscarriage six years after we had our second child. So when we had our first two, we knew we weren't done, but we were done for a while. We were young and two under two was, yeah. <laughs> so we knew we wanted to wait, um, but didn't really expect it to be as long as it did. So six years later, um, we kind of jumped into trying again and not being able to have kids and or not being able to get pregnant again and multiple recurrent miscarriages, which we later found out was because of a blood clotting disorder that I had, which always shocked me because we had two kids and wow, but yeah. I've heard of that happening a lot. Yep. And so the doctor said, your first kids are miracles. If you wow. have pregnant again, you'll have to do uh, blood thinner shots in your belly every day. So at least we knew like, okay, if we can get pregnant, we have a plan. Um, so right about the time that we had the second miscarriage, I was feeling, um, just like I wanted more purpose in my life. I wanted to do something, but I had no clue what, and we were in church with foster and adoptive families. I was their biggest cheerleader. I gathered tote baskets and brought them and, um, just tr tried to pray and encourage them. But I just was so disconnected from that world mentally. I just didn't feel like it was for me. And I can't explain that. It's not like I was opposed to it. It just seemed like that was not an option for me. So um, one day going through all this, our pastor was preaching about hospitality and first Peter. And he was saying, there's all these beautiful ways to be hospitable as a Christian. But in my opinion, the most beautiful way is to be a foster parent. And I tell you what, in that split second, it was like the light bulb went on and I wow. knew it was for us. I knew God was calling us. So we got licensed immediately. Was started. your husband on board right away when you shared? Yes. That? Oh, yes. Cool. When I, I have I a light bulb too? I think it was just like he trusted me. And, um, you know, been married 17 years. There's been a lot of times where we've learned, okay, you have discernment in this area. I'm going to follow you without question kind of thing. And so I really appreciate that and respect that. I love that. Yeah, that now. was a big part of, of our story too, of me feeling called. It was a little more of him getting on board, but me feeling called. And my husband's best friend was a pastor, our pastor at the time. And he said, you know what? God has taught me that often he is going to speak to my wife first. And yeah. but if I don't have a reason to say no, mm -hmm. I should say yes. That it should be like the inclination is yes right. until it's no, not the inclination yes. is no until it's yes. Yes, I agree. And that that's hard for a lot of people to come to understand. Yeah. Um, we were just in a different place where he was ready to be on board. And it, and it helped the process go smoother. I didn't feel bad about saying, okay, we've got this stack of papers now to fill out. You know, he was just kind of like, okay, tell me where to sign kind of thing. And I did everything, but he just, yeah. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, I know how it is. 
so we um, immediately got licensed, I think within three months and then got our first placement within, I think two weeks. And that's how foster care started for us. So, so you then, went from foster care, not being on your radar to having a child in your home within four months. Yes. And, and still wow. we weren't doing it. I wasn't doing it to add to our family. Yeah. It was, even though we were having the, the losses, I wasn't, I still wasn't thinking, Oh, this will get us another baby. This is, I want another child. I was thinking, I just want to be a mother again mm. to young children, even if it's temporary. And I saw so many good examples around me in church and friends doing this. that I thought I could do that. I could, I could be a temporary mom. Um, and so going into that, I think it helped my perspective um, being prepared for that they were going to leave, knowing that I was foster only. And our first placement, um, it wasn't even an option for adoption. So that rhymes. Um, <laughs> so, so I wasn't even thinking adoption with her. Now our second placement, they use the A word r- right out the first week. And the, the particulars of his case made everyone feel like, oh yeah, this will go to adoption. It was so bad. Um, and so that one is what helps my learning curve with foster care very quickly because within a month he was gone and I was devastated because, you know, as soon as they say that as an option, your heart changes, you start just loving them differently, not better, you know, I don't know that it's right or wrong, just differently. Um, so that really helped shape me helped uh, me become a, a, a foster parent with a perspective of temporary, much more temporary until it becomes long-term, if it becomes long-term. So after those two placements, our third placement came and he was a little boy. Uh, he was 18 months old when he came to us. And um, right away, services were being worked. Things were happening. There was no thought that adoption would be on the table. Um, well, nine months later, services were, you know, not all the way done, halfway done, three months, no shows, that kind of thing to where adoption was becoming a word. Would you do this? And I would say, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not talking about this until, mm-hmm. um, you would say that to the worker. Well, I would say, um, we, <laughs> I would say, ask me later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think they knew how much we loved him, but yeah. we're scared. So, um, yeah, I mean, let me jump in real quick here because I just had our baby girl has been with us since Christmas. She was removed Christmas day and her worker came over yesterday. I just posted this yesterday. So you may have seen it. He said, yeah, it came up that we're talking about moving her. She had court last week. We're talking about moving her, um, into a pre-adoptive home. And I was like, no, 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 you don't need to do that. You don't need, (laughs) but it, one thing that hit me is I've had kids in my home for significantly longer than that mm-hmm. without it being mentioned. Right. And so I stopped him and said, it's only been four months. I don't understand this discussion. And it just kind of hit me that it's so worker to worker. I mean, I have workers yeah. tell me, 
I ask when I drop off the child, are you interested in adopting? And then there are other workers who I think have had so many foster parents who are like itching and trying and, and that probably they've burned in the past by bringing Mm -hmm. it up too early with foster parents. Um, And I think that as foster parents, like yesterday, like my mom texted me this morning is like, why didn't you tell me that this was, and I'm like, no, no, no. Cause it's not a thing. It was just a word that was brought up. Um, but I feel like if there were, you know, you have your list of things that you want new foster parents to understand. Right. And for me, that's one of them. That yes. that word coming out of the mouth of a worker really doesn't mean much. Yes. And we really shouldn't hold on to it. Yes. That workers just have their preference. I mean, I don't know if you call it this in New Jersey, but we have, I mean, in Texas, but in New Jersey, we have concurrent planning, which is, mm-hmm. call it, which is we plan all along for reunification right at the same time we're also making our backup plan yes they do some workers are super upfront about that day one hey are you interested i want to know in the back of my mind if we get to month 11 and mom still isn't that you're my adoptive placement others don't want to bring it up until the end but as the foster parent we can't put that on the worker yes to be holding ourselves guarding our hearts knowing that adoption isn't the plan until it is the plan right um and holding really loosely what workers say to us yes exactly that's been my experience to a t yeah (laughs) and i wish i had been told that in the beginning because i would have been more guarded um but you don't know until you go through it really and I think that's part of it. You you don't know better until you know better. And yeah. part of it is just learning that. Now, hopefully you and I telling someone that we've gone <laughs> through this can help them learn that. But I think right. that's part of it. You go through it and you go, oh yeah, this is yeah. temporary. Yeah. I will say there's pros and cons to being guarded because when our adopted son um, came to us, I didn't take a lot of pictures or videos because mm-hmm. I was of the mindset of he's going home. He's got a bio family he's going to reunify with. So that's a con. I wish I would have done better with that. But well, the pro- that's a gift that you could give to the family. Yes. I mean, it's less about his time with you and more just about his time in his childhood. Yes. That he deserves to have the, the pictures for. Yes, exactly. And uh, the pro is that I fought harder for her the mm-hmm. whole t- the whole time he was with me. The whole time reunification was plan A. Yeah, I encouraged her, fought for her, was kind to her. Um, I wouldn't say to the caseworker, "Oh man, I hope she fails because I want to adopt." Mm-hmm. I would say, "How's she doing?" You know, and pray for her. Um, and it wasn't literally for him. It wasn't until the bitter end that her rights were terminated and it wasn't an option anymore. And, and even then it just broke my heart because, um, they planned a final goodbye visit. Do y'all do that in New Jersey? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So they planned a final visit and I got him all dolled up. I was so excited because I just knew she was going to want to take pictures of the last day she ever saw him because it, because open adoptions aren't a thing here in Texas. It's not like we could write it in. Right. right um, if way. she, and, and I'm, I feel like if she had ever made any kind of attempt at wanting to be in his life, I would have been open to it, but there was zero attempts and she, he wasn't her first child that she had lost. So, um, when the final visit came, I was so sad, so excited. And then she didn't make it. And I was just mm-hmm. devastated. Like, you know, I mean, can you imagine though? Can you imagine saying goodbye to your child 
on one hand, I look at that and think, how could you not show up? How could you Mm -hmm. not? On the other, how could you? How do you process through that? How do you say goodbye to your child? So true. Yeah. So, so this is your adopted son. Yes. Yes. So in birth order, he's our third, right? So we adopted him when he, he came when he was 18 months and we adopted him at two and a half. He was actually in foster care for three months before us with a wonderful family in our area, but they, because of a family situation, they needed him to be moved. Nothing was wrong with the family or with our son. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully we said yes. And she had included a beautiful letter to the new foster parent saying, we've prayed for you. We're so, so cool. So sad to be losing him, but this is, and just like I've heard you talk about, and I talk about, this is a list of the things he likes and doesn't like. These are the things he does well. This is allergies. It was awesome. I wish every foster parent would do that. Yeah. And so he was in care for three months before us. So by the time we adopted him, it was right at one year from the time we got him, which is very short. As you know, there were no extensions, no delays. It just is what it was. It was what it was. Um, and the adoption was, it ended up being beautiful. I mean, all the loss was heartbreaking, but it was really beautiful in the end. All right. Let's back up a little bit and let's, there are two things that I want to hit from what you just brought up. One is let's talk. This is the perfect segue (laughs) to talk about your book because I have shared videos before of me packing my kids up for leaving my home. And I get this question a lot about what you do to prepare your children when they're moving to another home. So I love what you just said, a letter, here's my heart, here's what Mm -hmm. I know about this child, they love this, this is how they go to sleep, this is their favorite thing, here are the lists of doctors and the follow-ups, here's the therapist, all that kind of stuff. what what else do you include? I'm going to end with my favorite thing to include, but okay. what else do you include when you when your children move on from your home, whether it's back to family or to another foster? Have you ever had another a child go to another foster? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, to an adoptive home. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we've They've all that. either gone to kinship, family, or adoptive. Okay, yep. yeah, we've had the same thing. Yeah. Um, things like there was, I had a baby once a nine month old and her favorite bouncy toy. I took, I couldn't send it because I was having babies come in. So I took a picture, I took a screenshot online and I included it in the letter. This is her favorite toy. Um, you could do favorite bottles or things that you've found that works for you. You know, pacifiers are all different, that kind of thing. I know it might be silly, the the details, but how much more will that help the other mom? adjust to this, help this child adjust to the new transition again that they're having to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I think foster parents can be like, well, you got your kid back. Fine. Now you're on your own, figure it out. It's like, but what about the kid? You want to take this difficult transition, this painful and stressful and confusing and, and ease it as much as we can. We may think that this parent is dangerous. We may think that they're unloving. We may think whatever we want. If we love this child who is in our home, then we want to do everything we can to ease that transition yes. for their sake. Yes. 
Exactly. To minimize whatever kind of trauma is still going to happen from the loss of being loss of losing us even. Um, How can we help heal them a little bit through those kind, simple little things? Absolutely. Right. Okay. So the other Mm -hmm. must have on my list that I send with every child is your book, Love You From Right Here. And I... If anyone follows me, they have heard me talk about this book because this is actually, I think, how we got connected just by me yes. like fangirling on you and this book, <laughs> how much I love it. Um, and so if you don't know about Love You From Right Here, this is the story of a mom talking to her foster child and basically through the stages of a child arriving and then a child struggling and then the child leaving saying, love you from right here. It's so simple, but the message is when you come, no matter what we go through and when you leave, I still love you. Yes. And then I love at the back, it's a keepsake book. So at the back, there's room for pictures, there's room to answer questions and all of that. So just give us a quick sort of, this is where my heart was in writing this. This is the story behind me writing it. Okay. When our first foster placement came, she was three and a half years old and we were her fifth move. And the home she was coming from was a not good foster home. And so I was about a month in having her just at a loss for words. How do I reassure this little child that I'm different from the other foster parent, the other strangers that she's been with, Mm. um, that there won't be trauma in this home. You know, I won't scream. I won't yell. I'll wait for you. All these things to counteract the things that she had been through. Um, and I was really at a loss. So I went to Facebook that night and I was asking for help. And one of my friends messaged me and said, you need to find a book that says exactly what you want to say, read it to her every day. And when she leaves, if she leaves, write your names in the back of it and send it with her. I thought, Oh, such a great idea. I'm going to go find the perfect book. How many times have you thanked this friend? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I feel like I should do a lot more. (laughs) I feel like she deserves like royalties or something. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out Karen Day. (laughs) Oh, yay, Karen Day. Thank you. We all thank you, Karen Day. (laughs) Um, So I went looking and as you know, our resources are limited. I found some really cute books, but none of them said exactly what I wanted to say. And the more I thought about the idea of writing the names in the back, I was also seeing in our child fifth move at three years old. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing research and realized the average is seven, as you know, seven moves, Mm -hmm. which is very low for the, as the children get older, you know, that, um, I think I've added up all my kids moves and I don't know that any of them just had, Oh, just one move to foster home and one move back. It's almost never been like that. So with those thoughts in mind, I, when I was looking on Amazon that night and I couldn't find the book, it was the same light bulb moment I had. Like when God said you're for foster care, it was, you're going to write this book. And I'm not, I, I feel even silly saying I'm an author because I just don't, see myself that way. I'm not a writer. I'm not eloquent with my words, but I knew this had to be done because if I was looking for it, surely there were other foster families that would look for it too. So that's how it got started. And every scene in the book is something that I experienced with at least one of my children. The most One of the most meaningful scenes in the book is where the mad page, where Uh the mom says, um, 
even if you're mad, I'll wait for you right here. I love that phrase. When you just said that before too, I'll wait for you. So yes. So there was a day where our little one was raging, throwing things, hitting herself. And we were three feet away from each other. And I had heard of, and I tried everything before this. So I'd heard this phrase. I think it may have been Karen Purvis that said, if you get on their level on your knees or, you know, sitting on your, um, sitting on the floor and you reach your hands out and say, I just want to hug you, that it breaks what they're going through and they can stop and think about something else. So I did this. She was raging and I said, I just want to hug you. And she flinched and she was like three feet away from me and it just broke my heart. And so I said it again, I just want to hug you. And she ran into my arms sobbing. It broke whatever demons and terror she was fighting in that moment to know that she was going to be loved, even though she was acting the way she was. Mm. So that page really means a lot to me. I love it. I, I love this book. I recommend it all the time. I think it's beautiful to read to your children and then it's beautiful to send home also. Thank so you. I always have them in stock <laughs> and I share them with other people. And so thank you for writing this book and thanks for being uh, sort of obedient to that, even though you didn't feel up to the call necessarily. I think it's, thank you. it's a beautiful thing. It's clear that it was from God because it's, it's really great. Thank you. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. There, I connect you to my guest. I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. All right. So there was one other thing as you were talking that stuck out to me. And that was that we both have five-year-olds who were adopted, came into our home around the same age. Um, And I've had this question a bunch recently. And I feel like I always feel very limited by my experience. You know, people are asking me for input all the time on things that I really don't know. I haven't gone through yet. Um, But what do adoption talks look like in your home right now, you know, the only thing that I can share about is how to talk adoption with a four and five-year-old. Yes. So let's talk that. What does it look like for you to talk about adoption with a five-year-old right now? Because that's where sure. I am too. Yeah, that's a good question. And I would love to hear what you have to say too. We kind of pepper it into our talk here yeah. and there. So it's not an everyday conversation. And um, I try to be intentional with when I bring it up, but I also am scared about being too intentional as in, is this what he's going to think about all the time? So I will say your mommy and I'll say her name, your birth mommy, and he'll call her that. And he'll say two mommies and he has two mommies and his dad was never really in the picture. So I don't refer to him very often. I, he does know his dad's name and it's funny. My son's birth name is the same as his dad's name. So when I told him his dad's name, he goes, what? That's my name. (laughs) (laughs) So just the innocence is so cute. He really doesn't understand, Yeah. which I'm anxious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. But we are very open with it. Um, we said something the other day. Oh, I was nervous the other day about bringing up features, you know, about how he looks like her. 
and how his hair is beautiful and full like hers. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And so I said it and it, it, there was very little response. He doesn't understand, but it, it was a lot for me to process. I want you to know you look like her and that doesn't hurt me. doesn't hurt my heart because you're such a gift. But I think it's something we need to talk about. And I'll say, and your eyes, and he says, well, they're just like daddy's. And so my husband's eyes are just like his, which is so sweet, um, which is, you know, like a gift from God, I think, because <laughs> he looks like us. If you see yeah. a picture of us, you wouldn't know. Yeah. I mean, mine do too. Yeah, they do for sure. <laughs> How do you do it? What do you say? Yeah. So I love one thing that you just said which is that you had to get there personally. You know, it wasn't that meaningful for him to hear you look like her, but it was something that you had to go through as an adoptive yes. parent. Like, mm-hmm. I believe that this should be said, and so I need to get myself to the place where I can say yeah. it. And I love that. And mm-hmm. I think that having these conversations this young, part of it is that we're starting them and that's important for them, but part of it is important for us. Yes. We get the practice of dealing with our hearts and learning the language and all of that so that as the questions get harder, it's something that we've been working on all along. Yes. And that's our whole, you know, doing our work in, yes. in this whole process. Yes. I remember early on thinking about when are we going to start this conversation and what are we going to say? And I built up so much in my own heart yeah, exactly. of fear and rejection right. and these things, I kind of put this on him. And then when we did talk about it, there was none of that. It was so much innocence and, Oh, I have two mommies and Oh, you know, it was just so sweet that it shut my fears yeah. down. Yeah. which I'm so grateful for. Yeah, I I think that there it's man, we love our kids and so mm-hmm. it's going to be this really human part of it that we struggle through it and and struggle through the human emotions of like feeling possessive and feeling jealous yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um right. Yeah, so my simple answer, I'm realizing this should be like a whole topic sometimes. Yes. <laughs> my simple answer right now, I I equate it to like the sex talk, which is okay. you answer every question that comes up as it comes up with as much clarity and as many details as are needed in that moment, but not more than that. (laughs) So like when my daughter first asked, you know, like, where do babies come from? Well, here's your very simple answer of a mom and dad when they love each other. And then now that she's 10, she has the full picture of it. Yes. So I feel like for, for our adopted kids, that's sort of been my strategy. So it started with when, when I was in your belly, it was, well, you weren't in my belly. You were in another mommy's belly. Sit, look at her. Right. (laughs) Any other questions? (laughs) No, you don't. Okay, cool. Then later. So whose belly was I, you know, and those sorts of things. Right. Um, Yes. There's an, Oh, go ahead. One of my daughters is um, very cerebral. Very like you look at her and you're like, oh, her wheels are turning. And so she, I think, thinks about it a lot, to be quite honest. It comes out a lot. And it comes out a lot when I'm showing affection to her or when I am talking about our relationship together or how grateful I am for her. She brings up her birth mom a lot. And in some ways, 
brings it up. It almost seems like she's trying to elicit a response. It's so sort of like, you know, I, I'm so glad that I get to be your mommy and she'll just kind of look aside and go, but that means I don't get to be with my birth mom. Wow. And I'm like, okay, yep. That's true, babe. Wow. That's hard. And so I feel like I've had a lot of practice with her. Of yeah. The, like poker face. Okay. This is about you. This is your story. This is your struggle. This is, I cannot make this about me. Right. In this moment. Um, right. But There's a lot of wisdom in that for her though, to connect those things already. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I mean. One of my girls is kind of like, cool. Yeah. Where where is she? And, and the other one, I think it's something that she carries with her in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where I am at parenting a five-year-old adopted child and we'll see as it continues to grow. Yes, there is an excellent example in The Hiding Place, which is my favorite book, where Corey Tim Boom shares about her father and how I can't remember all the details, but there was a lesson or some information that she didn't need to know because of her age. And he was giving the example that if there's a suitcase that is too heavy, I'm going to carry it for you until you're ready to carry it. Yeah, same kind of thing. Yep. I've literally said that to my children before of this is too heavy for you to carry on your own. And so I'm going to help carry also. I love that. I don't think I made the connection that that was from the hiding place. Mm -hmm. I want to go back and say that I did. We did have a fourth child after we adopted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So after we adopted, we had, um, I believe it was one more miscarriage and then we got pregnant with the findings of the test. So we were able to do the blood thinners and have our miracle rainbow baby. And he completes us. <laughs> Lord, he completes us. <laughs> is he a wild child? Uh, he is challenging right now. He's 18 months and I work from home. So I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with his early toddler phase. But he's so sweet, the sweetest and uh, peaceful, just very happy baby. Um, And we're also open to placements, but we just haven't gotten calls. There's so many open beds in our region where we just, we could get calls, but we're not. Yeah. Wow. Open beds. That's not like a problem that you hear often. No. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's your family. So you got your four kiddos still open to foster care. Oh, yes. Seeing a, that announcement one day that there's <laughs> another kiddo in home. Right. Yes. All right. So, so I want to talk about you, what you are doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So okay. what are you doing? Okay. The main thing I'm doing right now, aside from my work is focusing on the book, because as you know, we're launching a second edition of the book that is going to be the same story, the same keepsake section, but the majority of the characters are going to be different. There's going to be a diverse, beautiful uh, display of men, women, boys, and girls. Um, I've heard more positive feedback than I ever expected, but the one I wish were different feedback was I wish there were other people that looked like me. So we are hoping that this book will meet that need. And I've already heard so much great feedback from being excited about it because it's the same illustrator yeah, and it's going to be the same 
beautiful quality. So I'm really excited about that. I love that because I mean, this was essentially your story. It was you and your foster daughter and you're both white females. And I think you were telling your story, but now that it's affected so many other people, and gone, you know, further and wider than just you and your story. Well, then how yes. can you represent that better? Yes. And cool. when we were working on the first book, I had people say, why don't you do this character like this or like this? Or why don't you diff- do different characters on different pages? And I was so tunnel vision with, well, this is my story. Like I wasn't trying to offend or exclude or yeah. um, be just focused on it. I just couldn't see any other way. But I've been feeling like God has prepared all of this to lead up to having both as an option and having the second edition, um, just to meet the greater audience of foster care. I'm just so honored that I have that chance to do it. Awesome. Do you have like a release or anything? How far we're, we're looking at the fall. So we're going to be doing a launch team. So keep your ears open. I'll be on the launch team. (laughs) (laughs) Any listeners that want to be part of it, we'll have instructions and lots of things coming. Yeah. Cool. All right. What are you eating? Well, right now, I know you don't like to talk about healthy eating. (laughs) (laughs) True. I'm actually eating healthy right now. So I prefer that talk right now. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, that's where I am too. I've done a lot of emotional eating this past year and it is not good. And so I'm doing Whole30. That's my go-to. It's just what works for me. And I know it's strict, but I find freedom in the strictness. So I love it. Just makes me feel so much better. Yeah. I have like zero balance in life. So either I eat like chocolate and pasta all day or I eat fruits and vegetables all day. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, it's warmer weather and I want to wear less clothing. I think (laughs) vegetables now. Yes. I do pretty similar to Whole30 except that I'm vegan. So it limits even that much more. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I feel you. It's not fun. I don't like it but no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What are you reading? I am in between books. I just finished. We were the lucky ones. It's a family. It's a, it's based on a true story about a family that survived the Holocaust. And I won't, it's not, you know, without any spoilers, it's not like, um, anyway, it's a really good, really amazing book. (laughs) Oh, good. That is my genre of choice. I love World War II history. I am Hence in the awe. hiding place also. Yes. yes. I'm in awe of the spirit of the Jews hmm. and what they went through. And I feel like reading their books validates what they went through and, mm-hmm. you know, just carries on their voices from the grave. I just love. And, and so we were the lucky ones was hard for me to get through. If it's a true story, it's harder for me to process. If it's fiction, I do better. I know that's silly because it's, all based on what they went through. Yeah, I hear you though. But that was a good one. Okay, cool. All right, what are you watching? My husband and I just finished watching the NCAA basketball tournament for women. <laughs> <laughs> we love Baylor University in Waco, Texas, and the women just won the national championship. So we've been watching a lot of basketball lately. Oh, fun for you. <laughs> I, I absolutely despise March Madness. (laughs) I lose my husband for March. And we do like, I'm grateful. I grew up in a home where 
my brother watched every sport. Like if there wasn't a sport on, he was watching bowling or spelling bees. Like ESPN was on constantly. And so my husband is a huge football fan, but I'm like, well, at least it's just football. Like if he was a baseball fan, then it would go all year. But we go from football and then it's, you know, the Super Bowl, and then it's March Madness, which is yeah. intense, and then it's the NBA championships. Yeah. <laughs> so sports like take over from September to the spring. And yes. I'm like, uh, I love football, is- but yeah, my husband is similar. I really only get on board when it's basketball and Baylor. If Baylor's okay. out, I'm done. I don't care who's playing. <laughs> I think that like as women, we need a more emotional attachment yes. to the games. Yes. So yes. like if it affects the Eagles, I'm in. But if it doesn't, I'm like, I just can't care about this. I can't make myself care. Yes, so true. So, did you go to Baylor? We got married his junior year. I did not, and but he did his whole um, okay. college years, and yeah. we got married. So it was super special to be there on campus. I'm still paying, you know, for Baylor, so I feel like a Baylor alum. I like own part of the team somehow. <laughs> yes, yes, that's funny. Okay, what are you listening to? I listen to a lot of music, worship. I know I've heard you talk about people who listen to words like to listen to words or music. I'm more of the music person. Yeah. If I'm ever like alone in my car and I have a drive, I like listening to podcasts. It helps the time go by better, but I really just listen to worship music and Lauren Daigle is my favorite. She was even before she got really famous recently. (laughs) Back when. (laughs) Yes. And it's not just it's not just the sound of her music. It's the lyrics. She preaches. I don't know who writes her songs, but they are so convicting and they just bring me to an awe of God. And that's hard to find in most music these days because it's all mm. about us and mm. where we are. And Good so I just point. love music that points us really to the Lord. Me too. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Jamie, tell my listeners where they can find you. I am on Facebook, Instagram as Jamie Sandifer. All right. I'll link to that. Okay. And I will also link to your book. And yeah, one reason I'll link to you is so that if anyone wants to join the launch team and be a part of that, yes. uh, at the very least, look up Jamie and her book. Um, And as you can tell, she's really just a beautiful foster mom who you can learn so much from. So Jamie, I so appreciate you spending time with me today and you just sharing with all of us. It's been really sweet to connect with you like this. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast, or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening. 